They may not have seen it all, but they've experienced. Fourth and 26. Stinks it in trash. AI's crossover. Throwing batteries at J.D. Drew. Brad Lidge hugging Carlos Ruiz. The Legion of Doom. And thousands of wins and losses over three decades of fandom. Talking sports with a passion only Philly fans can comprehend. It's the Brotherly Love Podcast. Here are your hosts, Joe O'Donnell and John Mita. What's up, SoundCloud.com and iTunes? It's the Brotherly Love Podcast. Joe O'Donnell, John Mita here with you. You know, speaking of the Legion of Doom, Eric Lindros in the Hall of Fame, Johnny Meats. Yeehaw. Well deserved. Yeah, had the induction Just, speech last night. He was getting a little teared up from what I saw. Talking about his family. Found it very hard to believe that it, you know, all the nice things he said about uh his father, given the fact that uh Carl was a driving force in his career for some negative things, but he wasn't gonna let that uh let that get in the way of a great night. Um it's the Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud.com and iTunes. Appreciate all the love and support. It's a happy edition. Happy edition with the Eagles winning. Oh, exactly. I mean, a lot of people were like, yeah. a lot of our listeners out there are like, man, you guys just sound miserable. Yeah, it was depressing. Days. It was depressing yeah. to do this the will, podcast. Yeah, this will be a more positive note for sure. Yeah. All right. But before we get into the birds, we do have some other stuff to get into because we are a full service podcast. Oh, yeah. It's that time of year, Johnny Mita. Little V for Villanova, V for victory. Love it, man. The last, Love it. The last time Nova Nation was in action, of course, it ended with this. With Archie Diakono. Three seconds at midcourt. Jenkins gives it to Jenkins for the championship. <laughs> those are not gunshots. Those are fireworks. The national champs. Uh, Nova Nation underway. They got a win last night over Purdue. They're 2-0 and are the AP third-ranked Wildcats from Villanova University. So Johnny Mead is quick take on Nova Nation defending the championship. They got a tourney this weekend down uh, hosted by the College of Charleston. I know you'll be there. Uh, what do you think yeah. of Nova Nation repeating or defending champs and, and, and the outlook on the season, Johnny Mead? Yeah, I got to tell you that Jim Jim Nance audio with that last shot never gets old, my friend. Uh, they have a great shot. Uh, there's a lot of players coming back. This team is could make a strong run again. They have all the pieces. The big news in the offseason for the Villanova Wildcats is the fact that their McDonald's All-American, Omari Spellman, was ruled ineligible by the NCAA for academic ineligibility. It basically it has something to do with how many years he left school when he was in high school, when he finished. In my opinion, a bunch of crap. It's a shame that they're going to be missing him because he would be a great addition and a force to the team. Um, there has been – got to look at – there's so many people re- returning on this team. You have Josh Hart, uh, Chris Jenkins, the star of the NCAA final game with that big shot. Jalen Brunson, Dow Reynolds, Phil Booth, Mikhail Bridges. I mean, you're talking, they're, they're returning six, seven pieces from that team that went all the way last year, and then they have a couple newcomers. And the biggest newcomer to the team, it has to be Eric Pascal. He was a transfer from Fordham. He's a 6'7", 250. He's kind of like a shooting guard slash small forward, has great versatility, can step out, can hit the three. And this team prides himself on great defense. And with all the weapons that they have on offense and if they play solid defense, 
there's no doubt in my mind that I think the Wildcats could be in the midst to repeat. Now, it's going to take a colossal effort, and we all know how hard that is. The last NCAA team to repeat was the Florida Gators under Billy Donovan, but I think they have as good a shot as any uh, to get that done, and I think they're going to own the Big East Conference again. Oh, there's an ESPN update. Thank you, ESPN. And, uh, yeah, so I like the outlook. They should go through this Charleston tournament. I took a look at the competition today. Uh, the only team that has some credence is maybe you know, Mississippi State or Wake Forest. Other than that, they should run through that tournament. And I, I think it's going to be another strong year for the Wildcats for sure. We'll obviously be updating you as we move throughout the uh, NCAA basketball season right here on the Brotherly Love Podcast. Don't forget to support us on Twitter, at Love Podcast, at Love Podcast. Let's jump to the birds. They beat the Falcons 24-15, now 4-0 at home, where the defense, the defense has been uh, a beast, essentially, you know, carrying this team at home, not allowing games to get into shootouts, not allowing the opponent to find much success, especially early in games. So uh, kudos to the defense, 24-15 win for the Eagles. They get back to a game over 500 at 5-4. We'll address the wild card situation in a moment. We'll take a look at the Seahawks game that's coming up. Probably won't be on air next week, so a lot to cram in in the next 15 minutes or so on the Brotherly Love podcast. Don't forget you can subscribe via iTunes. Johnny Mita, gritty performance from the defense, especially after losing Nolan Carroll in that game to an injury. Uh, the fundamental tackling was outstanding. We've been we've been crying for better tackling from the Eagles, whining about on this podcast. We finally got it on Sunday. Uh, offensively, Zach Ertz had a presence for the second straight week. The return of Ryan Matthews, uh, I think Doug Peterson just looked in the mirror and thought, you know, I've kind of butchered this thing the last couple of weeks, not giving it to Matthews in crucial spots because of the early season fumbles. Darren Sproles is great, love him to death, but there's just certain limitations with the with the Sproles train. Uh, Ryan Matthews filled that void beautifully on Sunday. Uh, a couple other thoughts for me real quick. Offensively, the false start penalties, got to clean that up immediately. And then the drops. I mean, uncle. Yeah, if, you're, if you're not any good as a wide receiver, the, the two times you get a ball coming your way because it's the two times you're open all freaking game, just catch the damn thing. Uh, but again, nice 24-15 win. I thought they were going to poop that one away several times with missed field goals and the penalties and the lack of penalties, the poor calls from the officials. But they got it done against a team that was in first place in their division at the time, and they did it at home where they've been dominant. Like you brought up before, it was great to get Benny Logan back in the mix, uh, Fletcher Cox's counterpart. He had a strong performance in that game, and it really showed. They were able to get pressure with their front four, and they didn't have to get home as much with some blitzing. So that's always a positive sign. And you got to love the fact that the Eagles, you know, offensively on their game plan, that they decided to run the football and they ran it effectively. Uh, like two running backs between Ryan Matthews and, and Wendell Smallwood, I think they had 170 yards on the ground. So it was nice to see. You know, we said one of the keys to this game was going to be keeping, you know, how do you stop a prolific or a great offense? Well, you keep them on the bench. That's the best defense against the best offense. And they controlled the clock. They did a great job. They put Wentz in some great situations. And how about this, Joe? I know you saw him sneak for a first down when he had. Uh, I know. I was going crazy. Exactly. I was going crazy. 
Yeah, that was good to see. The wide receivers are so horrendous. That's never going to change until <laughs> we get new ones. Um, all, all in all, I just, you know, it was great. I thought it was a good performance at home. I mean, they look like a different football team. But I think moving forward, I think there was some creativity in the game plan. I saw a Mr. X in screenplay, and I'm like, I think the Selleck, and then he got tackled by the ankles. I mean, there was they kind of mixed up the playbook, and I love how they used their stable of running backs. You know, they got back to Ryan Matthews on some of the short yardage. They pounded it in there. Uh, you know, I was going crazy in the stadium at one point, and, you know, late in the game, they were talking they were going to go for it on fourth and one, and it was a 47-yard field goal. They finally called a timeout and said, I know the win's against us, but let's just try to kick it anyway and then put them up nine, and that was absolutely the right. So I thought it was a good performance, something to build on. Now we got to go play the big bad wolf of the Western of the NFC West, the Seattle Seahawks, and this is going to be an ultimate test for uh, the Eagles. Yeah, before we get there, let's look at the wild card picture here for a moment because right now the Eagles are seventh in the wild card. Yeah. Um, yeah. Of course, the Giants had a win last night. Uh, look, the Giants are about as big as fool's gold as it gets in the National Football Conference and the National Football League, for that matter. You look at their numbers, their lack of a running game, the amount of turnovers that they commit while they have the, you know, not creating turnovers, but giving the football away. That I'm not buying their defense. There's not a shot in hell this New York Giants team is a real competitive playoff team. All right. Now they, they play Cleveland and Chicago coming up. They'll probably be eight and three, the worst eight and three team I've ever seen in my life. With that said, Eagles are one of seven teams right now that are either five and four or four and five. And the Giants and Redskins are both ahead of the birds. So I was looking at this last night. If the Eagles win on Sunday, John Mita, they basically have to go four and two the rest of the way. But two of those wins have to be the Giants and the Skins. So here here are the three things for me right now the Eagles must do to make the playoffs. They've got to win Sunday. They've got to beat the Redskins and the Giants, and they just have to win two additional games. I hate to say just, but those are the three things. You must win Sunday. You have to take care of the Redskins and the Giants when you play them at home, and then you have to win two additional games. That's it. That's the recipe, and that will get them in at 10-6. and six. No, I think 10 is absolutely the number to shoot for. If you break down the division winners in the NFC, I kind of have it playing out as the Cowboys most likely are going to take the East to my, to my chagrin. The NFC South looks like the Falcons are well on their way due to the fact that Carolina has been sputtering mightily in the New Orleans Saints. Their defense is horrendous, and I think they'll sputter. In the West, you see Seattle. The NFC North, that's another division kind of which could produce some wild card teams when you look at it. You don't know who's going to come out of there. Is it going to be Detroit? Is it going to be Minnesota? Is it going to be Green Bay? And then you look at the people that are going to be vying for the wild card spots of the other teams, I should say. You're looking at Arizona, perhaps Green Bay, the Redskins, the Giants, maybe New Orleans. So it's totally up for grabs. And, And you made a good point. The home field advantage at Lincoln Financial Field has been immense for this football team. The good thing is, going down the stretch here, we're going to have a lot of games at home. And some of the games that we fought against the upcoming AFC opponents, like the Cincinnati Bengals and the Baltimore Ravens, those teams aren't going to be as strong as we thought they were. So even if this team sputters against Seattle, if they can't find a way to win, I think it's very favorable that they could come down the stretch, take care of business at home, and maybe steal a road game or two and find themselves 10-6 and six from right in the hunt for that last wild card. Look, you you control your own destiny to some extent here because you're going to play Green Bay. 
you know, at this point, Eagles lost to Detroit. They need the they need the Detroit Lions to keep on winning. You want the Detroit Lions right now to win the NFC North. You want to beat the Packers so you have the head to head against them. Plain and simple. Uh, yeah. You know. The Redskins and the Giants, you still have to play them again. You have to win those football games so you can leapfrog potentially at least one of those teams. It'll come down to other tiebreakers at that point it, You know, if both teams have 10 wins. But I really think you're in a spot right now where you might have a couple of teams at 10-6 and six and you're going to be in a tiebreaker situation. So you better take care of the head-to-head matchups. And since the Eagles already fell flat on their face late in that game to Detroit, they can't control that. You got to hope the Lions win the North. You got to beat the Packers so you hold the tiebreaker. And if you at least get a win against the Giants and the Skins, you put yourself in a spot where it's going to come down a conference record or whatever. I know it's a long way away. They might get blown out Sunday and this whole conversation out the window. But I really think it's as simple as starting with a win Sunday and then beating the Redskins and the Giants. And from there, essentially, you're right there in the mix. All right. All right. I'm with you, brother. Yeah. Let's get into that recipe then. How the hell do they beat the Seahawks? <laughs> in Seattle, a spot where they almost never lose. In your opinion, Johnny Mita, how do they pull this off? Because Seattle's one of those teams, they have that they have that kind of charismatic, they have they have that character. They have that fight where you can think they're dead on the mat and they get up. Or you might be driving with a chance to win the game and they make a play. Or you've got them third in a mile and Russell Wilson scrambles and it's Doug Baldwin and it switches the game. I mean, they have the heart of a champion. It's I hate it's a cliche, but it's it's damn true when you're talking about the Seattle Seahawks. So how do the Eagles win this game? Well, I think they need to stick to the game plan that works. If anybody watched the Monday Night Football game against the uh, you know between the Patriots and Seattle Seahawks, New England was able to run the ball effectively. Uh, LeGarrette Blunt had three rushing touchdowns. He only rushed for 70 yards. He only rushed for 99 yards as a team. But there were some holes there. I think what they also need to do is they got to work the middle of the field. they got to try to expose some of their linebackers in coverage with some matchup problems, maybe with our three tight end package, with Zach Ertz, Brent Selleck, Trey Byrne. I think that's going to be crucial. Let's face it, our wide receivers stink. They're terrible. And they're going against the Legion of Boom secondary, which carries three pro bowlers and Richard Sherman, Ken Chancellor, and my boy, Earl Thomas. And so they got to work the middle of the field and then maybe try to take some shots and maybe get one of those legendary pass interference calls (laughs) that we all yearn for. So I think that's going to be the recipe. Try to control the ball, try to run the football, try to work the middle of the field and just stick to that game plan. I think this is really going to come down to the defense again. The defense is going to have to play one of their masterful games. They're going to have to keep pressure on Russell Wilson. If you look at the Seahawks team, if there's one weakness or um, link or you know missing link in their armor, is the fact that their offensive line is very young. They start two rookies at offensive tackle. Okay, our defense ends. Brandon Graham, he needs to be that unstoppable force that he's been all year getting after the quarterback, Cotter Barwin. We need to blitz. Obviously, we need to control Russell Wilson. They have a lot of speed. Their receivers are a decent group, and we have to, you know, shut down. They don't really run the ball that well. They're more of a throwing team. Uh, They've definitely been missing it in the running game because of the retirement of Marshawn Lynch. But we also need to contain Russell Wilson because this kid can make plays from all over the football team. He can get out on the run, and you know the resurgence of Jimmy Graham. That's another matchup. You know, can the Eagles linebackers match up with him in coverage? Jordan Hicks, Michael Kendricks, uh, Nigel Brown. So there are some things that the defense is going to have to play well. The game, Nolan Carroll still in concussion protocol. 
throwing Leotis McKelvin out there with a bad wheel is just a scary thought. But I think if we stick to our game plan, run the football, work the middle of the field, and if our defense just gets after Russell Wilson early and often, I think the Eagles will have a shot. But that is the toughest place to play in the National Football League, Seattle, trying to win a game there. I think they've only lost five games there like in the last eight years, or like 35-5. and five. So it's going to be a huge test for the Birds this coming Sunday. All right, here's what I got. First thing, first key, male rat poison to the home of Richard Sherman, Cliff Averill, Jimmy Graham, and Russell Wilson. Rat poison. All right, get that done. Uh, seriously, on offense, don't go backwards. The penalties and sacks have been killing this football team. Some wide receiver, I don't care who it is, needs to find the end zone on Sunday. I don't care how they get there. They need to have the ball in their hands when they do so. Defensively, win the battle at the line of scrimmage like you talked about. When the Seahawks have the ball, Eagles front four has got to get pressure. The Seahawks line is a disaster right now, and Russell Wilson's not even close to 100%. And don't get killed on third down. Russell Wilson extends plays. Doug Baldwin is clutch. You don't allow them to extend those third and longs, become first downs for Seattle. It's going to be a long day for the Philadelphia Eagles. All right, Johnny Media, you got a prediction? I'm going to say that the Eagles come up short in this game. It's going to be 28-23. <laughs> that might be the first time either of us have ever picked against the Birds, but I like it. I like I your know. honesty. All right, um, new segment. we got two minutes here. New segment. All right. On another note, all right? On another note. It can be anything sports-related. I'm going to start. Uh, on another note, Johnny Mita, DeMarco Murray for NFL Comeback Player of the Year. Oh, Jesus. He's nearing 1,000 yards on the season. He's got 10 total touchdowns. He just threw a touchdown pass last weekend for crying out loud, and the Titans are in a playoff race after a miserable, miserable season last year with the Birds. DeMarco Murray back to putting up elite running back numbers. On another note, DeMarco Murray for NFL Comeback Player of the Year. On another note, the stinking NCAA. I am so sick and tired of this hypocritical organization. They let powerhouse programs like Louisville and UNC just get minor slaps on the wrist for severe rules violations. The Baylor football team is an absolute disgrace. They should get hit with the death penalty or something should happen there. Nothing has been done. They also take advantage of the student-athletes. You know, these kids make millions of dollars for school. I'm not proposing paying all these kids, but let's just at least give them a little expense money so that they can live. I mean, hardly these guys can't even get jobs on their own because they have too many, you know, requirements when it comes to the athletics part of it. But my whole thing is who's going to check and balance this criminal, corrupt organization? That's what I want to know. And so many people and so many schools are pissed off about the NCAA. They kind of want to break apart and just start their own thing. So we'll see what happens. Can't stand Mark Emmert and the NCAA, you know, hierarchy, so to speak. So God bless and good night. Let's just get rid of them all together. <laughs> well said, brother. Well said. Sorry for the machine gun edition. We got a lot going on. We probably won't be on next week. I'll be on the road traveling. Uh, go Birds, as always. Appreciate the love and support on SoundCloud.com and iTunes. Johnny Mita, you are the man, and I will leave you with this. I texted you this last week. It just hit me. You never responded. All right. Tony Romo to the Browns this offseason. Book it. <laughs> and then they trade their number one overall pick, and they acquire more assets, a.k.a. the Sam Hinkie mold. Browns get Romo, and they trade the number one overall pick. They still keep the Eagles' first rounder. They acquire some assets from the Cowboys, and they deal the number one overall. And next thing you know, they've got 4,600 draft picks over the next three seasons. Well, 
That's the only way to help that franchise. Amen. Amen. You heard it here first. Bold prediction on the Brotherly Love podcast. All right, go Birds. F Richard go Sherman. Birds. F Richard Sherman and the Seahawks. Pete Carroll's, a, Pete Carroll's a loser. All right, brother. Oh. Be good. All right. You got it. See you. Till next time. See you. Thanks for listening to the Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud.com.